This is the Dafyomi Masechta Review, Masechta Gitin, tape number 3. This review is only meant for people who learn Dafyomi on a regular basis or those who have learned through the Masechta. It is the goal of this review to be as accurate as possible in summarizing the highlights and kliklalim of the Masechta. However, it is possible that on occasion something will not be reflected correctly. For subscription information, call us toll-free at 1-888-DAFYOMI or write DAFYOMI Tapes, P.O. Box 831, Muncie, New York, 10952. This tape is dedicated in memory of Ha'isha Yehudis Basavrom Kameli Zichroino Livrocha. Our Magichia is Rabbi Yossi Heber. We're holding him a Sachtas Gitten, Perak Hanizakin, but before we can begin that Perak, we need to review the final daf of the Perak before, which is on daf Memches. Just reviewing back the Mishnah that we had on Daf Mem Zayin, the Mishnah said that if one sells his field in Eretz Yisrael to Gaim, he is required to purchase the first fruits, even at high prices, and bring them as like Bikurim. This would be Bnei Tikkun to discourage people from selling land of Eretz Yisrael to Gaim. This is a theme that we've had in numerous Mishnayas, that there were certain Xeris that were made, Mishum Tikkun for the betterment of the world. This was one of them. And the Gemara had said that if someone sells his field for agricultural purposes only, Rabbi Echanan says he must bring Bikurim and read from the Parsha. Rabbi says he brings Bikurim, but he can't read the Parsha, since the land isn't under his total bilus. And from the Pasuk of Lakachta Vehevesa, we learn that you only you can only recite the Parsha of Bikurim if you both took the Bikurim and brought them to Yerushalayim. But if you did just one, then you cannot recite it. Now let's begin the final daf here, daf Memches. According to Reish Lakish, the svara of not being able to say the parsha is because we say Kinyan Paris lav kikinyan haguf. But according to Rabbi Yechanan, we say yes, Kinyan Paris kikinyan haguf. And this machloikis is only when they began practicing Yoivel for the second time after the Hefsik in the time around the second base Hamigdash. But in the Zman that Yoivel was Chal, like in the first base Hamigdash, all would agree that maybe the Kare, i.e. the parsha. If a person inherits a field, Steachuzasai, and is Makdashit, and then Hektish sells it, so when Yevil arrives, it doesn't return to the original owner, but rather it returns to Hektish, and the Kohanim divide it. Brothers who divided land, inherited from their father, give it all back to the full pool in Yevil, and it gets re-divided. In other words, between all the brothers, it gets re-divided. Also, the Bechar will get his usual pi shnayim. Abayah says we paskin lahalacha like Reish Lakish, that we say kinyin peres lab kiginyin haguf. So if a man wants to represent his wife in a dintaira of her land, even though he owns the Paris, but since he doesn't own the land, i.e. Kenyan Paris, Lavka Kenyan Haguf, he would need a Shtar Harsha, an official Shtar, making him her official agent. This marks the end of this parak. Parak Hamishi Hanizakin, beginning here on Daf Memches. Although many of the sugis in this parak don't really deal specifically with Gitten, but we're continuing the Inyan. We've had many of the Mishnayis until now talk about Takanis Midrabanan that were made to, for the betterment of the world. Now we just simply continue with the Mishnayis and coming up, continuing this discussion of As background to the next Mishnah, we know the general rule is that if someone damages someone else's property and he pays back for the damages, he pays Be'idus. He pays with the best quality land that he owns. If a Balchayv is paying back a loan, he pays Bebeninus. He pays with medium-quality land that he owns. And if a husband is paying his wife a ksuba, that's paid with Ziburius, with the lowest quality of the land that he owns. And the Mishnah says, if someone damages someone else's property, or someone else, he must pay, of course, Nezek. He must pay for damages. 
If he doesn't have cash, he doesn't have cash money, then he's allowed to pay with land. But he can only pay back Be'idus, with the best quality land that he owns. A Balchayv, who owes money, he pays back with Bainanus. He pays back with medium quality land. Now, Midi Raisa, he really only has to pay back Ziburius, with the lowest quality land. But the Chachamim made a Takana for these types of things, that if a person borrows money, he doesn't pay with Ziburius, with low quality land, but rather he pays with Bainanus. The purpose of this is so as not to discourage people from lending money. Because if people would know they're only getting back crummy land, they would never lend money. However, Ksubisisha, that's paid with Ziburius. That's paid with low-quality land. Rameir says, even a Ksubisisha is paid Bebeninus, just like a regular Chayf. When a person borrows money, there is a lien on all of his property. So if he sells it, and then he loses all of his money, the Malved can claim his money back from this lien. These Nechassim, and this lien is called Nechassim Mishubadim. But he can only claim from these Nechassim Mishubadim if regular land is not available. Regular land, which is normally available, would be called Nechassim Benecharan. So he can only invoke this right if there are no Nechassim Benecharan. And this is true even if these Benecharan are only Ziburius. If they're only Ziburius, he has to take from that. He can't go to the Nechassim Mishubadim. Also, when collecting from Yusayimim, one is only allowed to collect from Ziburius. Gemara. The Pasuk says, Meitav Sodehu regarding when an animal is mazik something. It's a machlik is how we evaluate this best land, idus payment. Is it the best of the damager, which is Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva holds, bit of mazik shaminen, or do we evaluate it as in terms of what's the best of the damagee, the person who was damaged? Rabbi Shmal holds, bit of nizik shaminen. And according to Rabbi Shmal, we only say he must pay idus of nizik is if you don't know how the damage really was. Aye, but why don't we say and let him pay just the Bainanus? Our answer is the total amount, for example, $2,000 is the same. It's just a question if you pay 20 acres of Idis worth $100 each, which totals $2,000, or 40 acres of Bainanus worth $50 each, which also totals $2,000. If a person donated money to Hektish, the Gizber, the secretary of Hektish, can come to this donator and claim the payment from Idis, the best quality land. The Gemara says the first time an animal gores another animal, the owner pays chatzi nezek, only half of the nezek. This is called a tam. Later on, he'll pay nezek shalim. He'll pay the full value because he's considered a muad. But if the animal gores a behema of hektish, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Minasya, you must pay nezek shalim even on the first goring. According to the Rabbanon, one is never mechuyiv to pay anything if his animal gores a behema of hektish. The Gemara says the person who damages must pay idis, the best. This is because of mitnetikan ha'ilam so that it'll discourage, it'll discourage damagers and thieves from damaging or stealing. For they'll know, they'll lose their best fields if they damage or they steal. And Abal Chayv is paid the Bainanis, since if it was Biziburis, a person wouldn't lend money, and people need to borrow, would have a difficult time borrowing money, because no one would want to lend the money, knowing that they would only be getting the lowest quality land. Ksuba is paid Biziburis, since even if a woman gets divorced, she has a major desire to be married more than a man. So she'll remarry quickly on her own. Marzutra says that Ksuba isn't paid Biziburis, but rather it's paid Bebeninus. Background. There are two types of guarantors of a loan, an Arev and a Kablon. A Kablon has a greater responsibility, since the Malavik can go directly to the Kablon without having to first ask the Leva. Dafnun. If a person says that he wants to be an Arev on a Ksuba, everyone holds that there's no Shibud because he didn't mean that he wanted the responsibility of the Shibud. If one became a Kablon on a Chayv, Everyone holds the Shibud Ischal. But if he accepted Arvus by Abal Chayv or a Kablan to Ksuba, it's a Machlaikis. 
In all cases, whether he has or doesn't have land, the shibud is chal. But by arev de ksuba, even if he has land, the shibud is not chal, since it's a mitzvah. One always must collect money from Yusayimim with ziburis, even if the shtar specifically said he can collect from Bainanus, even if it had a tznai, since all collections from Yusayimim are beziburis. The Samachoikis and other Gemaras, if shibud is a halacha midaraisa or a halacha midarabanan. Really, the Gemara says, debts should be paid with Ziburius, but the Chachamim said it should be paid with Beninus, so because no one would want to lend money if it was Ziburius, as we mentioned before. This halacha that limits collection of money from Yusayimim in Ziburius is only if the Yusayimim are Ketanim, but once they're Yusayimim that are Gedailim, one can collect from Beninus and can even collect from Edus. When a Malva collects money, he first must go and collect from the Nechassim B'nei Charen, before going to the Nechassim, which are Mishubadim, i.e. land that was sold to others. The purpose of this is to protect people who bought land from someone else, because if someone could immediately jump to the Nechassim Mishubadim, the people who had bought the land are going to get messed up, because they bought it, not really with a clear understanding that they would potentially lose it. If three people purchase land, the Malma must go to the last purchaser to claim the Nechassim Mishubadim, before he goes to earlier purchases, since the earlier ones can say, I left over Benecharin for you to collect from. So, it, so it's similar to Ein and Ephraim and Echassim Mishubadim. The Gemara food that is scheduled from Aksuba to go to the wife and children can only come from Nechassim Benecharin, not from Nechassim Mishubadim, since it isn't a precise amount, and anything that's not a precise amount can only come from Nechassim Benecharin. When a man dies, although the sons get the Yerusha, any daughter, when she marries, is entitled to one-tenth of the estate at that point in time. If a person finds a Metziah, and it appears in this case that it was a case of Maidab i.e. a person finds something, and then the person who lost it comes and says, you say you found only $5? I lost $10. So it seems like it's Maidab Miktsas, and technically we know in a case of Maidab Miktsas, the person has to swear. We do not make the finder swear, because of Tikkun Ha'ilam. If we would make finders of lost items swear, no one would ever want to come to return lost objects because people would be afraid, but they would have to swear, and people don't like to do that. By the way, it's important to point out that if a person comes himself with the mitziah, that it's a machlekes mishainim if he must swear, since he has a migu, that he could have kept quiet, he didn't have to say anything. According to Rabbi Yitzchak, there are cases that he would swear if it was a might of a mixtas. Rabbi asked, why did the Torah say that a might of a mixtas should make a shvua? Let's say that he's potter, since he could have said he could have been kaifer bakal. He didn't have to say anything. He answers, since ein adam meis panav bifnei balchayve, a person wouldn't have the chutzpah to deny everything in front of the person who lent him the money. He might deny part of it, and he'd be a might of mixes, and he has to swear, but he would never flat out say, "I didn't borrow any money from you." Dafnun base the Mishnah. If an abitrapis was appointed to divide land for Yosemim, that person must take off trumas and maisrus for them. This is mishum tikkun ha'ilam. And the Gemara says, And Apitropus is allowed to take off Trumas and Maestros, and even sell their behemoths and Avadim, if it's for the purpose of raising money to buy them food, or to help them do mitzvahs, which have a set amount, for example, buying a pair of tefillin. But they can't just stam sell things for investment purposes, or for pigeon shvuyim. An Apitropus also cannot represent the Yusayimim in a Dintaira, for the good or for the bad of the Yusayimim. The Gemara says, For Yusayimim, you cannot appoint Nashim, Avadim or Ketanim, as Apitropasin. But if a father appointed one of these three before his death, Bezdin does not remove them from being an Apitropas. Rabbi Yaisi said, I never called my wife just Ishti, but rather I called my wife Besi, because she was the foundation of my house.
Visions, the Gemara says, which one sees in dreams, should not be used to paskin a halacha one way or the other. If someone pays money for something, the Kenyan is not fully chal until there is a Kenyan meshicha. However, for hektish, the Kenyan is chal just by paying. Meshicha is not needed. Yusayimim are treated the same way as hektish, that only hashlama is needed, but meshicha is not needed. Reb Chani Eidi says, this kula for hektish and Yusayimim is only good when it works out to their benefit, not if it's bad for them. Gemara says, normally, if you wanted to sell land of Yusayimim, you must publicize it so as to attract the best price possible. People hear about it, there would be bidding, and they would get the best possible price. But if we need the money to pay for the Yusayimim's food or taxes, you don't need this hachraza, since the quickness is for the good of the Yusayimim. And finally, the Gemara says, if the Apitrapas does a transaction which causes the Yusayimim to lose money, then we remove him from office. The Mishnah, background. From a Sechta Babakama, we know that Adam Muad Lailam, a person is always responsible for his actions. However, if a person does damage which has no physical evidence, for example, if someone makes truma tame, so you can't really see that anything happened to it, is he responsible for this or not? And the Mishnah says, if someone makes something tame or mixes truma and chulen, so only a kayan can eat it, because now it loses its value, medamea, or if he makes it into yayan nesach, menasech, if it's beshaigeg, then he's pater, since it's a hezek she'ena nikr. But if it was done bemezid, then he's chayef. The Gemara. Menasech, when someone makes something yayanesach, according to Rav, is taking someone else's wine and using it for avaydazar. So it's yayanesach. According to Shmuel, he mixes it with bad wine. And Shmuel doesn't hold like Rav, since we say, Since you're already mechuy of misa for pouring wine to avaydazara, you're not chayef for the payment of hezek to the wine. Kamle bidirabamine says you only get the greater of the two punishments for the two averas that you did. Tatnun Gimel. If a person is mazik someone else's property, in a hezek she'en nikr, can't be recognized, he's chayev whether it's bemezid or b'shaygi, because we say hezek she'en nikr shmei hezek. This is a halacha minatayra. But sometimes, when he does it b'shaygi, we pater him, because if we would make him chayev, he wouldn't tell anyone. And the owner would come to eat a mixture of truma and be over on an iser. I, so why don't we say bemezid chayev? Our answer is to keep people from stam damaging other people's produce. The Gemara says the paraduma and the mechatas can only be used if they had never been used before. If someone did did work with them and passled them, he's pater midine adam, but he's chayev bedine shamayim. The Gemara says if someone stole a coin and then the government invalidated it, or if one stole chametz and then it became avaralava pesach, so even though he stole it, he can simply return it and say harei and he's pater, since it's a hezek shein a nikar. And if we hold hezek shein a nikar leishme hezek, he's pater. If someone cooks something on Shabbos, according to a mayor, if it was b'shaigeg, he can eat it. If it was b'mezid, he, was, he must wait until after Shabbos before eating it. Rabbi Yehuda says, if it was done b'shaigeg, he can eat it, but only on Motsai Shabbos. If he did it b'mezid, he can never eat it. This is a knas. Only others can eat it. And finally, Rabbi Yechanan Sandler says, if it was done b'shaigeg, it can be eaten on Motsai Shabbos, but only by others, not by him. If it was done b'mezid, no one can ever eat it. When dealing with Havayi Zara, we're even more machmer because of the severity of the Isr. According to Rameir, when we're dealing with Isurei Darabanan, we do make a gzera of shaygig atu mezid. But when we're involved with an Isur Daraisa, we do not make a gzera of shaygig atu mezid, like we see by Rameir, by Hamavashel Bishabbos. If a person eats truma bishaygig, he pays an extra one-fifth, and he repays the kayan with tvua, which becomes truma at the moment he gives it to the kayan. But if he gives the kayan chulen tmeim, 
Midaraisa, this would be a valid payment. But Midarabanan, it's no good. Since the Kayan is stuck with the Trumatmeya right now. And again, this according to Rameyer is like a shita that we don't say, Kansai Shaygig Atu Mezir. If Dam became Tameh, and the Kayan continued to sprinkle it on the Mizbeach, if it was done Bishaygig, it's Maratza, it's accepted, and they could eat the flesh of the animal. If it was done Bishaygig, then it's Lehurza, and you can't eat the animal, Midrabanan, i.e., there's no Gzera of Shaygig Atu Mezir. If someone immerses a keli in a mikvah on Shabbos, which is Asr Midrabanan, it looks like Tikkun Kli, because it sort of is Tikkun Kli, you're fixing it so it can be used. If it's Bishaygig, he can use the Kli, but if it was done Bishaygig, he can't use it at all. And we're not Kansahim when it was done Bishaygi, since his intentions were good. He was doing a mitzvah of Tfilas Kalim. Normally, if an Isser falls into a Heter, as long as there's Rav Heter, it's Mutter. Sometimes we say something is Batal, Bishishim. You need 60 of the Mutter Dika thing to be Mavatal, the thing that's Asr. But Midrabanan, if it's a Chasheva item, we say Afilu Be'elef Loi Batal. No matter how much there is there, the one little drop falls in, it Asrs the whole thing. Like we say with Chametz Be'Pesach, that Afilu Be'elef Loi Batal. Additionally, a per- person cannot purposely make something bottle or attempt to make something bottle, since we say the halacha is ein mevatlan iser lechatchila. A person is not allowed to do something to be mevatlan lechatchila. The halacha of bitl only applies if something accidentally fell into something else, then we can say that it's bottle b'shishim, if it's something that involves shishim, or if it's something that's bottle b'rayiv, then it's bottle b'rayiv. Case, for example, what we mean by ein mevatlan iser lechatchila, let's say Friday night, a person eats a fleishigam meal, after the meal, he says, you know, I want to drink a cup of coffee, and I want a little bit of milk. I'm only going to put a drop of milk in. And the milk only constitutes, say, one two-hundredth of the cup of coffee. So technically, you should say it's batal b'shishim. Therefore, a person should be able to drink milchig after eating the Friday night meal. No, a person is not allowed to do that, because we say, ein mevatl nisr l'chatchil. Next Mishnah. If kayanim were mefagel a carbon in the Beis HaMikdash, pigol means, while the kayan makes the shechita or the zrika, he says that he will eat it chutz lizmane or chutz lemekayme. This is called pigol. So if kahanim were mafagal a carbon in the base hamigdash, if it was done bemezid, they're chayev, even though it's hezek shein and nicker. If you hold hezek shein and nicker shmei hezek, of course he's chayev. If we say loy shmei hezek, it's a tekanis chachamim to prevent kahanim from stam being mafagal karbanis. He's not allowed to do it. And the Gemara says from Abaye, if it's biyadeh for someone to make something tomei or tahar, then a person is believed. If it's not biyadeh, then he's not believed. The Rush adds that will only say eight echad neman bisurin if it has a cheskas heter. Rava says even if it's ain't biyadeh, he's believed. And finally, the Gemara mentions an incident where a sefer told Rava Vavahu that when he processed the parchments of a sefer Torah that he wrote for somebody else, he did not have the proper kavana to do it lishma, and therefore the sefer Torah is puzzle. Rabbi Vo asked as to who has the Sefer Torah at the present time, and when he heard that the Sefer Torah is in the possession of the buyer, he ruled that the Sefer is believed to passel the Sefer Torah. This is because by admitting that he wrote an invalid Sefer Torah, he loses his entire payment, and it's highly unlikely that the Sefer would lie about that. Therefore, he's believed. Dafnun Hay, the Mishnah. Rabbi Yechanan ben Gudgada said, if a deaf Ktana was married off by her father, it's good, but she can be divorced with a get even without her consent. A katana, who was married off by her parent to a kain, which is a kedushin derabana, she can eat truma. Finally, an animal which was stolen, and no one knew that it was stolen, and it was brought on in his bag, that animal is kosher. The Gemara. A katan who eats nevelis, you're not mechuyev to force them to stop eating it. The Gemara says if someone stole a beam and built a house with it, Beishamai holds you must destroy the house and give back the exact stolen beam, because the Pasuk says, Beheshiv es hagzela. Beis Hillel says, 
you pay back the value of the beam, because otherwise it'll be too difficult to do tshuva. It's very hard to pull down a whole house. And the Chachamim were able to make this gzera because we say, Tachanas Chachamim is good because of Hefker Bezdin, Hefker. Ula says, whether we know the carbon was stolen or not, it's not mechaperas, since yush kedi loikani. Yush by itself is not enough for it to be his. The Baal gave up. But he doesn't have to bring a second carbon, so the Kohanim won't get demotivated when they hear the carbon was chulin. As is brought here in Al-Adaf, the Mishnah says that if one stole an animal and brought it as a carbon chatas, it's a valid carbon and he receives the necessary atonement. The Gemara, according to the opinion we mentioned, states that although Minatara it's not actually a valid carbon because it does not halachically belong to the one who brought it, nevertheless, the Rabbanon saw fit to consider it valid because they didn't want Kohanim who offered it to become discouraged that he ate an invalid carbon. And Rashi asks on this, since Minatara he is obligated to bring another carbon chatas, inasmuch as a stolen carbon has no validity, Minatara, how can the Rabbanon decree that his carbon is valid and relieve him of the Torah obligation? How would the Rabbanon just come along and knock off something which is made Raisa? Rashi answers the question by citing the Gemara in Yevamas Daf Tzadik Amid Beis, which says, Yesh Kayach Biad Chachamim Lakar Dover Minatara Bishave Vialtasa. The Gemara have the authority to override a Torah obligation in a passive manner, i.e., they can order someone not to fulfill a mitzvah. Thus, the Rabbanon are authorized to decree, for example, that the Shaifer should not be blown when Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbos. We know that Shaifer, Minatara, is supposed to be blown any time Rosh Hashanah comes out. How did the Rabbanon come along and make Zera that you're not allowed to blow it if it comes out on Shabbos? Chama have the power to do that. Lakar dover minatara b'shev yaltasa. So too concludes Rashi. The Rabbanon have the authority to exempt the thief from sacrificing another carbon, albeit minatara. He should be obligated to do so. The Raja points out that Rashi's answer does not suffice for a case such as Yodledas or Mitzara, where they must bring a chatas as part of their purification process, allowing them to enter the base hamigdash grounds to eat the carbonas. In such a case, argues the Rashba, the rabbinical validation of the stolen chatas would cause an active violation of the Torah, kum as it will permit them to enter the Beis Hamikdash when Minatara they should be prohibited until they bring another non-stolen chatas. The Rashba therefore suggests that the rabbanon validated the karban by employing their authority of hefker bezdin hefker to transfer legal ownership of the animal to the thief. Thus, once the animal halachically belongs to the thief, the karban is valid even min atara. And finally, the Gemara says, if someone stole an animal, and he was tavachum machar, then he pays dalad vehei. But if first he was makdashit, then he only pays kefil, he only pays double, since you don't pay dalad vehei to hektish. The Mishnah. At the time of Titus HaMelech, the time that he was king, and Jews were being killed, there were no sekrikun, there were no extortionists who used to force Jews to give up their land. Afterwards, there were sekrikun, there were extortionists. And we know, even if a person is forced to sell his land, as long as it was actually paid for, the sale is good. If, however, no money was paid, but the Jews were simply forced to leave the land, then the sale is no good. If a Jew bought it from a guy extortionist, from a Sikrikun, the sale may not be valid, since it was never really sold for money. As time went on, however, and land was being dominated in Eretz Yisrael by the Goyim, so Chazal said Hefker based in Hefker, and it was mutter to purchase land from the Sikrikun. But the buyer must also give 25% of the original value of the land that he bought to the original Jewish owner, since the guy will probably sell it at a discounted price, at a price that's really worth a lot less than he paid the Jew that he took it from originally. And therefore, it's not right that the second Jew purchasing it now should get it at a low price at the expense of the first Jew who land was taken from by one of these, by one of the extortionists.
And the Gemara says, There were three gzeras made at the time of Milchemes Titus. One, if a guy doesn't kill a Jew when he has a chance to kill a Jew, they could kill him. Number two, anyone who kills a Jew will be paid for Zuzim. And number three, anyone who kills a Jew would be killed himself, i.e. eventually the Jews were protected by law. So at that time, the halacha of Sikrikon is different, since Jews didn't really give up their land fully, since they thought later they'll get it back. Here we now begin the sugya of Kamtza Bar Kamtza. This is a famous sugya, which is one of the few areas in Shas, one of the few sugyas which is muttered to learn on Tishabav, since it deals with the Churban Beis Amigdash, and is very sad in terms of the background and the story. The Gemara says, fortunate is a person who always lives in fear, but who hardens his heart in the time of trouble. As we learn in the Pasuk in Mishle, Ashrei Adam Mefached Tamid. If we see what came out of the simple story of Kamtza and Bar Kamtza, we see why we must be very cautious of even the smallest Avera. Because of Kamtza and Bar Kamtza, Yerushalayim was destroyed. We know, we know from Masechtus Yuma that the first Beis Hamidus was destroyed because of the, the, the sins of Avedu Zara, Gilearayash, and Shvichos Damim. But the second Beis Hamidus was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. The story of Kamtza and Bar Kamtza went like this. There was a person who loved Kamtza. And Bar Kamtza was this person's enemy. And this person made a Suda and asked his servant to invite Kamtza. By mistake, the servant invited Bar Kamtza. When the Balabayas saw him, he told him to get out of the house. Continuing on Dafnun Vav. So Bar Kamtza said, Since I'm here already, let me at least eat, but I'll pay you for the food. So the man said, No, absolutely not. Bar Kamtza said, Let me stay and I'll pay for half of the total banquet, half of the whole Suda. And he said, No. So he said, If you don't embarrass me by throwing me out, I'll pay for the entire banquet. And again he said, No. He picked him up and threw him out, which was terribly embarrassing. Bar Kamtza then said, since the Rabbanan were sitting there and they didn't protest, they obviously must approve of what he did. The question that we must ask is, why didn't the Chachamim do anything? So we could answer, it could be that they didn't see the whole Maisa going on, maybe it was happening on the side of the room, or possibly because of all the Machleikasin going on in Yerushalayim at that time, they didn't have the ability to intervene. Bar Kamtza then said, he would go and slander them to the Roman authorities. So he said to the king, the Jews have rebelled against you. Here's how you'll know they rebelled against you. Send them an animal for sacrifice and see if they'll sacrifice it. It's interesting to point out, we are allowed to bring a carbon donated by a guy. However, by the time the calf arrived, it had a blemish. So it was possibly disqualified. The Chachamim really wanted to bring it for the purpose of Sholem Malchus anyway, due to Pikuach Nefesh. But Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas said, we can't accept it since people will think that behemoths with mumin are kashul mizbeach. So they wanted to kill Bar Kamsa, so he wouldn't slander to the government. So Zechariah ben Avkula said, don't kill him, because people will think we killed him for no good reason. Rabbi Yechanan summed up the situation by saying, the anvisanusai of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas, the humility, the tolerance of Rabbi Zechariah ben Avkulas, destroyed the base Hamigdash and caused that we should be sent into Golis. The Mepharshim questioned the use of the term humility. Where is in the story of Rabbi Zechariah's trait of humility apparent, and what bearing did his humility have on his misjudgment? The Vilna Gain gives an explanation. He says that the accepted procedure for a Bezdin judging a capital case is to allow the less Chashiva members of the Bezdin to speak first, Maschilin min The reason being, if the greater members would state their opinion first, those who are smaller in stature would be unable to disagree. In our story, however, although Rabbi Zechariah was actually the greatest of the Bezdin, he spoke first because in his humility he considered himself to be the least qualified. As a result, the others who were of the opinion that Bar Kamsa should be killed were, not, were unable to state their opinion, 
as that would be disagreeing with the leader of the Beisden. Thus, as a result of Reb Zechariah's misplaced humility, Bar Kamsa was not killed, in spite of the majority opinion which favored killing him, eventually leading to the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. The Gemara says Niran Kesar was sent to destroy Yerushalayim, and when he shot an arrow, it always turned towards back towards Yerushalayim, so he knew that he was destined to conquer it. Naktimin ben Gurion was called Naktimin because, as we learned in Masechtas Tainus, since the sun shined for him. Kalba Savua was called this because who people who were hungry like dogs came out of his house satisfied. The Rabbanan wanted to surrender to the Romans to prevent bloodshed and keep Yerushalayim from being destroyed, but many Jews, Biryayinim, blocked the entrance of Yerushalayim so people couldn't get out to surrender, i.e. they thought they could win the war versus the Romans, therefore they didn't want to surrender. These Biryayinim also burnt all of the silos of food so people would be desperate to fight. From this, terrible famine began in Yerushalayim. Rav Tzadik, who foresaw the destruction of Yerushalayim, fasted for 40 years in order to attempt to be mechaper for Klal Yisrael, so the Beis Hamidrash would not be destroyed. There was a halacha that no one is allowed to be buried in Yerushalayim, but even these biryanim, these extremists, allowed this halacha not to be violated. When they carried out the Aron of Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, who was just pretending to be dead but was really alive, the biryanim cooperated with his Talmidim. Rabbi Yechanan, who then got out, attempted to appease the future emperor to Rahmanus on the Jews. And in the end, this man did become the emperor shortly thereafter. The emperor was so impressed with the prophecy, he asked Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai and told him he could make a wish and ask for something. So Rabbi Yechanan, sensing the Jews were in grave danger, wanted to receive something that would at least preserve the Jews spiritually. So he said the famous words, Tain li yavna v'chachameha, since he knew Yerushalayim was destined to be destroyed, he asked him to spare the city of Yavna and the Torah that was in it. Also, save the family of Rabbi Gamliel Venasi and give doctors to heal Rabbi Tzadok. Rabbi Yosef said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu soured the Chachma of the Chachamim, since Rabbi Yechanan should have asked the king to spare all of Klal Yisrael.